0: Welcome back to Bit About Crypto. I'm David James, your host, also the Job Whisperer, and I'm back again with my co-host, Dave Hampton. How's it going? Robo-recruiter. Thank you. You've been robo-recruiting, brother? I've been robo-recruiting. Yep. All a day's work. Well, if you work hard, that means I don't have to, so keep up the good work. You you said that from day one. (laughs) No, what I said to you is if you work hard, this will all be mine. I know. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, here we are back in Las Vegas. Hot. Hot, scorching, hellish. Yeah, I, I mean the hottest I've ever been in the coldest I've ever been in is in this town. I once, once uh, on New Year's Eve, I decided, hey, it's Vegas. I left without my jacket. It was like forty, thirty-eight <laughs> degrees. The village was missing the idiot. Clearly, <laughs> I, I, I did that. Yeah. Uh, no,
1: the hottest place I've ever been is Afghanistan. So. Uh,
0: yeah. The, I bet that's hot.
1: It was one forty, and then at night, ninety-five,
0: ninety. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, they like to keep it cool at night. Right. <laughs> So anyhow yeah so i'm david james and this has been about crypto and uh we have this podcast to bring awareness to cryptocurrency and blockchain and how it's actually changing the world and specifically how it relates to the changing job market and the evolution of consciousness of people as uh they're going to be the ones that are in the job market so if you want to know more about cryptocurrency and learn more this is the channel for you you are our audience if you have heard about cryptocurrency, NFTs, blockchain, and you think you want to be in that space, well, you probably have a talent that's transferable. So you should contact me at blockchainrecruiters.net. That's our website. Or just contact me directly at David J at blockchainrecruiters.net. And of course, Twitter, um, or you can call me, 831-222-5445. Thank you, Travis. And give me on Twitter at the btc recruiter and so anyhow um so as you know we have all kinds of different guests and and david when we started this podcast we decided it wasn't going to be a number go up this coin good that coin bad hey you should really buy this coin call my patron or, or pay me 50 bucks a month and i'll tell you what coins i have it's nothing like that and also i just want to say that there are a lot of scammers in the comment section okay that's not me I'll never send you anything in the comments that say, call me at this dumb telegram number and pay me money, okay? That's, that's not how we operate, we don't do that. So those are all scams pretending to be me and Dave. So anyhow, back to where we were. <clears throat> what I was looking for is I wanted, when I started this, uh, the idea of this podcast, I wanted it to be from, from people who had a different take on life, from a different world experience, and how they saw that blockchain was changing the world. And, you know, the, here we are in June of 2022, uh, 2021, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, since this COVID, specifically the summer of 2020, it was pretty <clears throat> electric in the United States. I'm just going to use the word electricity. There's a lot of electricity. And, you know, I mean, I, I, was, I was watching Bitcoin just like everybody else and all the other cryptocurrencies. And, you know, I've had this advocacy for it for nine years. And I've, I've chartered our part of the recruiting firm, for like two and a half years and I saw something where there was this Zoom call that we had where there were a bunch of developers and there was this one guy and he says, look, I'm part of the Black Lives Matter movement and I really think that Bitcoin is sound money and it, it takes away the disenfranchisement that we have. So I thought about that because I, I just lacked the awareness. And I thought about that, and I decided I wanted somebody <clears throat> who actually can see really day-to-day the 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 black experience in America in cryptocurrency. And I, of course, being the recruiter, we're recruiters, right? We right. find people with a certain skill set, That's right? right? That's right. And I came across a gentleman who I'm really excited to have today. And we, we're, we're becoming good friends. I mean, we're, we're – we're not true friends, but we're new friends, but I, I think we're going to become true friends. His mm-hmm. name is Uche Nujoku, no, 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 and I want to say it correctly, right? And the thing that really impressed me about him is when I looked at his LinkedIn profile, and as recruiters, we look at LinkedIn profile. We, LinkedIn we profiles. all day, every day. That's right. And I noticed one of the things that he had was he had progression, right? And in any field, you know, he started as uh, an assistant principal and he was a teacher, an assistant principal. And now he's currently uh, the principal uh, of a New York city school system. And I immediately knew just, you know how you see somebody's photo and energetically, you know, this will be a good candidate for a certain, yep. I, I just knew that he'd be right. And so I sent him this email and I say, Hey man, I want you to be on my podcast. And literally after I sent it, I looked at my email and he was sending an email to me asking me to be on his podcast. It's hmm. like it's like a letter's crossed in the mail or our emails, and so we I, I felt that, that that would that would go to my jewish roots that that's kismet
1: right okay
0: and so we've had we've had a couple of conversations, and we've gone off topic of just cryptocurrency, but one of the things that he actually said to me was that they don't teach financial literacy in the New York school system, specifically where he lives. And I went, and so he said, so his advocacy, in addition to being a representative, you know, to the, the hope, right, of mostly black youth, is, is that I want to actually talk about alternative blockchain financial literacy and give hope. And I went, dude, and I was, we, we talked a couple of times, I was captivated
1: yeah no that's deep man i mean i remember one of the lessons i I did i had to scrap a lesson for for an english class and and that uh that turned into the the hey, you know them them resisting reading or whatever it is we were doing and to to the point of like hey you know why you need to read and so we went into a financial literacy class and they were mesmerized mesmerized because right then and there they they realized what their future could and could you know could be and, and maybe didn't want to be in terms of that so
0: so, with no further ado, I'd like to invite our guest to actually speak. Uh, Uche, welcome so much to a Bit About Chris, Crypto and you know, a Bit About Crisco. Nice, nice. A bit About Crypto. And thank you so much for making the time.
2: It is a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your kind words. How are you doing? How are you, jumping doing?
0: Well, it's hot. I mean, I know that you, 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 you did a, a stint. Here in Clark County, as a assistant yes. principal, right? It was 120 yeah. yesterday, but you know it's a nice, cool 116 right now. It's
1: still not as bad as New York, man. Humidity in New York, yeah, is, right. Is it's, it's a it's, a, as, it's as they a, say, dr- it's dry heat.
0: As they say, to the Jewish community, it's a schwitz, but it's a dry heat. <laughs> um, so yeah, OJ, it would be great. You you talked to me about you know your genesis on you know, where you're from where you actually got to an Inglewood playing ball. And can you talk about that? Just let the audience just know who you are.
2: Sure, most, most definitely. So uh, again, my name is uh, it's, uh, Uche Njoku. Um, if, you see, if you see me on social media, you'll see my full name, which is Uche Chuku Njoku. And the name comes from Nigeria. Um, I was born in Nigeria of uh, the Igbo tribe. And my family, we uh, relocated here in, in the late 80s. And um, to Los Angeles, actually. And I went to school in Los Angeles, middle school, high school, Inglewood High School. And um, then in high school, you know, a typical kid played football. You know, actually, it was funny because I actually came to came to America as a soccer player. And in, in high school, somebody I had a coach who saw me and said, hey, you're a big kid. You want to play football? And I said, yes. Not understanding <laughs> that the football I was talking about was not the football he was talking about. Right. I thought it was pretty pretty cool because it it, it, it still resembled something that I was familiar with, which was rugby. So I played football. I ended up being a a, started off as a very very small lineman. That's where you start all the novice football players who don't know much about the sport. They just tell you block, and then eventually (laughs) went to fullback, and um, then ended up being a tailback. So uh,
0: is that kind of like when they're picking like in the park softball? Everybody gets a base. (laughs) Everybody else left field.
2: basically basically. but was funny because uh, i was i think i i I joined the team in sophomore year and i was about five probably five four five five and i knew nothing so it was like okay just stop this person from getting past you and i was you know i was a short little stocky kid so i was i was pretty strong i was able to hold most most big guys away then eventually i i went from being like a uh, a guard to be the pulling guard. And then they were like, okay, you got a little speed on you. Then they were like, let's we'll see, let's see what happens when we, when we give you the ball. Then I ended up being a fullback. <laughs> and uh, I got a little bit taller. I hit, I finally hit like five, seven and uh, and I was about 170 pounds. And next year you know, I was a tailback and I did good enough to uh, end up at University of Rochester division three football. Um, not complaining because I definitely still didn't have the, the broad enough knowledge to play like you know anything higher than that but i played division three football and um when university of rochester graduated um had a stint in the marine corps um and and, and it was a short time I, I ended up getting an injury there then after that you know graduated from college and i went to, into corporate sales and did that for a while in los angeles and um and one day i was like okay it has to be more it has to be more than just sales goals and and uh and expense accounts. I wanted to do more, and I decided I was going to uh teach. Not, you know, let me take that back. I decided I was going to go to law school. And uh, <laughs> but deep down inside, I was like, I, you know, I, I also I want to teach, but it's not prestigious enough. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm coming from a Nigerian family. There's only three options in the Nigerian family: are they going to be a doctor, a lo- uh, I'm sorry, a doctor, uh a lawyer, or engineer? One of those three things. So um I was like, okay, I'll be a lawyer, and I. Applied to law school, got into a small law school in Los Angeles. My aunt, who's an attorney, said, "Absolutely not, you have to go to a, at least a USC or a Pepperdine or something of that caliber." So um, I was she, like, they
0: wanted something accredited, right? Something accredited. They wanted something prestigious,
2: right? <laughs> she wanted to be able to say, "Listen, you have to have the name behind, you know." So, so um, i it's, it's the power of the alum, alumni. That's that's what exactly, it is. exactly, and, and it was it was it was it was smart because um the school I, I got into um it was a small school it was a credit but it was a small school no one had ever heard of and um i'm, I'm not gonna put them on blast so I'm, I'm not gonna mention who they are but uh so i decided okay i was gonna um spend another year you know increasing my outside scores and um what ended up happening was she was like you should also do something to bolster your resume all you have is sales and i was like okay maybe i'll teach you know i have friends of mine who had done the teaching thing for a little while while they were getting ready to go to law school so i chose to um to uh, to do that. But at the same time, LA Unified and all the people, all the other districts in Los Angeles were not hiring. There was a hiring freeze. Then friends of mine in New York were like, hey, they're always hiring in New York. So you should, you should, you know, you should apply here. And I heard about the New York City Teaching Fellows Program. So I applied. I um I applied and initially I did not get in, which was funny. I applied and I got the rejection letter. But three, three weeks la- later, I got another letter saying, hey, due to whatever reason, we would like to extend extend you a, an invitation. And what happened was, um, they didn't meet their quota. So lot, I guess a lot of people did, that had been accepted into the program opted not to show up. So it was kind of weird because now here I am, a reject who's coming in. So I felt like, okay, whatever, I have nothing to lose. And I moved to New York. Um, I was placed in the Bronx um, and um, my first job interview, Actually, I had a couple of job interviews, but the first one I, that I took, I was offered the job and I was also told, um, hey, uh, you're gonna be a special ed teacher here, job is yours, but however, we see a military background, we see you from you from Los Angeles, um, how do you feel about discipline? Which I thought was an odd question. <laughs> Why would you ask me about discipline? Yeah. I'm gonna be a special ed teacher. And um, I was like, is it necessary? And and the uh, principal said to me, "Well, my assistant principal assistant principal is going to maternity leave. She's not coming back after that. So I need somebody strong to be the dean." And I thought, "Okay, this is weird. Um, I'm applying to be a first year teacher. Like I've never taught before." You You're probably. Be I'm, I'm guessing.
1: I'm guessing Uche that you were one of like maybe uh, you know two men uh, on staff or something like that. Like I mean, that, that's they're always looking for strong fatherly figures.
2: Yes. Okay. But, I mean, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm, gonna, I'm a very blunt person. I'm going to call it what it is, too. Like, I'm, I mean, at this point in time, I'm, you know, I grew those, those last two inches. I'm, like, about five. I'm 5'9". Five at that point, I was, like, 270. I was 270 and a ball of muscle. So, I had, like, no neck. And I was just, like, you know, so I'm pretty sure you saw, okay, a male, military background, a f- football player. And not only that, um intimidating blackmail is that at, at well. And the schools that, that I that, uh, that I got the offer at had a serious gang problem. Like it had a serious gang problem. And I'm talking about everything was there. The Bloods, Crips, Latin Kings, Dinitarios, Didi. I mean, it was like a, it was a menu of gangs in there. And um, I didn't really know that, but I thought to myself, wait a minute, so you're going to make me a dean off the bat? I was like, sure, I took the job. And I got there and I realized what he was doing. He was like, listen, I need you to be my, uh, to be my personal security and keep all and all. the pick. Exactly. Pool. But it worked out to my benefit because I thought, what I thought was going to be um, just a opportunity to um, tune, to but it's funny because in my mind, I was thinking I'm gonna, I'm not gonna have to teach so many classes, but I am gonna spend a lot of my time managing the school culture. But I, it was like all the stars aligned. My ex- growing up in LA in, in a gang infested community, um, being in the military, being an athlete, all these things all aligned so when i got there the kids really gravitated gravitated to me and um the numbers the discipline numbers in my school in two years was literally cut in by like i mean it was cut, cut down to like a third of what it was before i arrived there and um from that point it was kind of like i was on a trajectory towards school leadership off the bat and uh and as time went on you know i left that school went to another school and that principal um took me under his wing and was like listen I see something in you. Join me, and and I went with this, this with this principal, and he became an executive principal, and he was and he created a turnaround team, and we us and a couple of other teachers went around schools, just ch- turn around schools, and during that time I became an assistant principal, and then I left for a year, went to Clark County Schools, was an assistant principal there, didn't like it much, went back to um to New York, and the rest is history, you know. But I came back, I was made a principal. And now I'm, I'm I'm at I'm at my second principalship. So my first was a middle school, and now I'm at high school in Brooklyn.
0: So let me ask you this question. I ask everybody this question on the podcast. How did Bitcoin
2: find you? I think it found like everybody else. I think uh, this was like 2013. Was that 2013 when it was a little bit of a frenzy? Like that 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 12 13 that 12 13 14. Those that time frame was where everybody was just going crazy. And everybody was like, oh my God, you could get rich overnight. You're talking about winter of, winter of
0: 2013 when it went from yeah. 300 to 1,000.
2: Yeah, and everybody was going crazy. My brother was calling me and everybody was like, and I'd heard about Bitcoin, but of course, um, I didn't think much of it. I was like, there's, there's all these trends in uh, in the digital space and didn't think much of much of it. But to see something, like it was weird, but back then I was thinking to myself, is this is... Digital, it was this digital thing that's not even tangible. Like you can't hold it, you know. You know, and I will not like. A part of me thought that there was a coin attached to it somewhere, like a physical coin. And um, but I just remember watching the frenzy, you know, and um, and I was very confused, I didn't understand it at all, and I kind of ignored it. And um, and I saw the, the 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 leaps over over the next couple of years, and then the bottom outs, and of course. I went through the, the same emotional trend like, like a lot of people. It's a scam. Like watch people lose their money doing this. But um, I think what happened for me was um, as time went on and I wasn't really participating as far as buying Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, but I'm a very curious person. And just when I discovered blockchain and I try to understand what blockchain was and the whole you know, verifiable ledger and being able to, And then I started to understand the whole DeFi space as far as being able to like cut out the middleman. I found that very interesting because I've always been kind of like an economics nerd, you know, like a very rookie level economics nerd. But just the whole concept of money and bartering and and who controls what, I thought was very interesting, Um, especially being um, not only being an African-American, because even though I, I was born in African, I'm here, I am a US citizen and I've grown up in African-American spaces, but also being the child of, of co- co- um, colonialized spaces as well. And understand how economy has has really ravaged black spaces, whether it's in America, in the Caribbean, in Africa, and understand a lot of, a lot of countries, a lot of spaces don't, don't really control the amount of their own monies. I thought blockchain was so fascinating. And I think that allowed me to really, really push to re-understand really what Bitcoin was. Then I discovered Ethereum and all these other spaces, and I was like, "Wait a minute! There's something going on here that's very interesting. It's not just buying and selling um, coins and tokens for as as two tool, security tools. There's there's another space here about building ecosystems, economic ecosystems, and um, and I think from that point it it really hit me as a, as an educator. Because my students are always asking me, or at least trying to understand the world they're walking into. And this world this world that exists right now that they're walking into is very, very different than when I came from. Because when I came from was go to college, get get a college degree and try to find a good job and hold on to that job for, for 30, 40 years and retire, retire hopefully with a gold watch or a silver watch or a tin watch, retire with something. But the whole notion of being able to have control of your own finances especially in this digital space you know i was like okay i need to understand this i really need to understand this and even if i don't benefit from it i need to be able to explain this to my students so they can even take it further and that and i know i just i know i just went beyond your question no no no
0: no. it's it's all good because if if our listeners care you know they're got they're going to listen because i you and i both know we're going to tie this all up because i wouldn't have brought you on if it didn't make sense. But before, before we go on and talk about financial literacy, you, you made up a really good point. It's, it, and I'm learning this with my kids. The whole idea of go to college and then work hard and then have a house, that's, that's the dream of, of my generation, my parents' generation. That's not the, the dream of kids. And what I, the, I want to circle my point to you is what I'm seeing is, is that the, the same lie that kids are told Go $120, dollars in debt, get a, get a college degree, come out, be a slave to that college loan uh, payment, and get the exact same job at Starbucks that the person who actually didn't go to college got, and now you're working for that person. Right? And I know and I know specifically one of the things that really resonated with me, you talked to me, it's like there's a there's a lot of lack of hope. In, in, in the the marginalized kids that you have because there's there's problems at home there's violence there's there's alcoholism there's poverty and and you you said that you're one of the uh, one, one of the beacons of light you know you you got to go up and you got to represent that you know if you stay a course that you, that you can be something else just other than what you see right within this borough or or even this neighborhood and I want to ask you can you can you speak before we get to financial literacy can you speak on 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 how you see that as far as kids going to college today and saying what's the point, or if that's accurate, or maybe I went on beyond the point I was supposed to go. No 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 no. I,
2: I, I, no, that's a very fair question. Um. So so I'm, I'm going to pre- preface what I'm going to say by by saying this first. Um. One of the, one, one of the benefits I re- I, that I received growing up in the household I grew up in. Is that my 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 parents? Um, my father went left Nigeria. We I mean we're from a s- small villages in, in West Africa. My father was a really smart guy, and he got a full scholarship to go to Saudi Arabia, and um, he went to he went to school in Saudi. In Saudi met my when He was a student. My mom married him, and and we had me, and we moved to um we moved to Saudi. And the great thing about living in Saudi and traveling different parts of the world, you get to see um, realities. And I've seen poverty in Nigeria. I've seen what poverty looks like, even in the Middle East. And I've seen what poverty looks like. And it's funny because when my father graduated and we came to America uh, because we came to America because of the, the dream, you know, the, the, the streets that are supposed to be paved in gold and the land of opportunity, which is still in a land of opportunity. But, but one thing my father learned and I, and I learned from watching his journey was the whole notion of access and, and not quite being equitable for everyone. And uh, grew up in Los Angeles, I saw that, you know, we lived, we, I mean, we, I mean, my parents did, did, they did pretty well for us. You know, we, we weren't rich by any means, but we weren't, you know, in the gutter, but we were close enough that I got to see that and be like, Whoa, that's what the bottom looks like. And so when I became uh, an educator in the Bronx, um, it's funny because I love the Bronx, the Bronx, the Bronx made me who I am today. You know, being able to, to like, like, Think about this. My last job in before I became before I left LA to become to, to come to New York City, I was working. Um, I um, I was working sales. Then I left sales for a year to as I was pre- pre- preparing for law school, and I was a personal assistant to a to a, um, a retired um, real estate real estate bro- broker in Malibu. And part of the deal was that I got to to live in the guest house on the beach in Malibu at a super discounted rent. So I woke up every morning. On the beach in Malibu next i mean i would <laughs> walk by i would see matthew mcconaughey he saving saving um beast um um dolphins like literally i've seen these things and so for me to to have been able to shift from all these different spaces then being in the Bronx and um I've seen like literally in the I mean I've seen this there are parts of the of this country you know in the Bronx and other parts of the country as well where people are stuck, they, they're so stuck, and, they're, and and hopelessness is just their norm. You, we, can't even say they, we can't even say they don't have any hope. It's just what they, where they are is just what it is, just for, like literally for generations. I've seen, I've walked, I've literally stood outside of my school as a principal and seen a guy standing across the street, standing there in a heroin stupor with a needle still hanging out of his arm as kids are walking around him. You know, like I've seen these things. I've I've seen I've had to rush kids into a building because somebody's running on the block shooting at another person, and we're trying to push kids back into the building. i right, that school dismissals. Like these are all the norms. And what happens with that is you have kids who, in their minds, they know something's not right about this. They just don't know. They just don't know how to define it or or even how to escape it. So, as an educator and my job is to let them know there's another way there's, there's there's something else out there but in the beginning my only other way was to go to college try to get a good job and of course that comes with certain issues student loans are you even are you are you, are you able are you going to be able to survive college and all these questions that um that we don't really talk about we just say go to college I am a proponent for college, and I would, and I tell all my students even right now if you're a senior in my school, you will apply to college, you will get into college, so you have that option. But also, that's tied in around some serious financial literacy about student loans, understanding that you need to know what you're majoring in and what kind of financial aid packages or scholarship packages you're getting from these schools, and not just go to college just because you need to run away from. From home, because well, so I, I, so I want to. I, I,
0: I, I, I want to talk on this. So, so specifically, when did you come to the awareness? And I don't know how to pivot on this question. When did you realize that that this community of our, our future, you know, members of society from these socioeconomic environments lacked the phone, uh, financial literacy? Or did you, did you figure that out immediately? Uh, and then did you figure out, hey, now with blockchain? I can do something about it. I I just want to get to the point where you said, "Hey, I'm okay. going to go above and beyond, and I'm going to teach these kids about blockchain." How about how about
1: uh, before you answer, how about this? This will ring true with you, uh, Uche. Uh, how about the fact that the the uh, you know when I was teaching, this was back in '08, right? I had I had students who uh, who would walk in with the brand new Jordans, you know, the brand new kicks, the brand new G, like. We're talking like you know, hundred fifty dollars, two hundred dollars shoes, right? But they can't afford lunch. They can't afford. They're, so talk about financial literacy or lack thereof, because the the you know their 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 awareness or their 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 sense of of what right looks like is just is just morphed. It's it's warped, you know, in, in a certain way. I mean, I, I um, you know, what what do you I mean, what what, what do you say about that? Which I mean, is is that does that ring true to you? I mean, that, that that's what I saw, man.
2: I mean. No, no. I mean, 100. percent. That rings true, and and it's funny I've had this conversation with my students. You know, like if you notice my 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 social media handle is Sneaker Principal. I'm a sneakerhead. Um, I'll you can't see the full screen, but right over on this side, you can yeah. see my shoes. Yeah. yeah, show it, Travis. Show it, Travis. Right there. <laughs> no. Yeah,
1: yeah. My my best friend's a principal in, in Dallas, and
0: he's he's a sneakerhead too, man. You guys should talk. Yeah, but but Uchi's got a botte to match. Does does <laughs> Karen have
2: that? I don't know, <laughs> but but the thing about that, like I've had, it's funny because my llama students, I um, we've had deep conversations about like sneakers and like and like the economy behind it. You know, I've had I have I've had people who I've I brought to my schools to talk to their kids about sneaker economy and and um and so they understand like this is an investment as well. But the thing, the thing to your question, I think is very interesting. There's a there's an there is an inherent American problem. And every community has its own sneakers. And I've had the students who've come to school with brand new Jordans, and they're hungry, you know. Right. Um, but at the same time, I've seen people, and I'll tell you this: when I when I was in sales in L.A., I knew this guy who um we were going head to head on a on sales number. He drove uh, a Range Rover. This was this was uh, two thousand. This was like two thousand three, two thousand two, two thousand three. He had a range, and and. And beautiful car, beautiful car. And he lived in Manhattan Beach. So outwardly, you're thinking, man, he's living the life. He has yeah. a range, he's living, he's living in Manhattan Beach. He lived in a, in, a, in an apartment small than this room. This was his whole entire apartment. You know, he had that car he couldn't afford because it's all about keeping up with the Joneses and right. creating a sense of... of um, of comfort for yourself because you can fit in with everybody else. And what happens with that is this is a reality for a lot of Americans across the board. And the worst part about it when it comes to like these, to a lot of poor um, communities, it still exhibits itself as in, I gotta have the right clothing or the right shoes or the right thing. And not only that, we also live in a society where People will make fun of you, or 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 or, yeah. or try to label you as less than because you don't have the, the image thing. Right. And 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 it's funny because I always ask myself where does it start from? Because the guy who has the range he cannot afford and is living in the shoebox, you know. And but everybody thinks he's like he must be rich and he's not. You know. We we we're creating that with our kids as well. You know, because the kid has to have the right shoes to go to school because. A, that might be the only thing they have in their whole entire life that ends up, at, that's attached to their, to a set, uh, to a positive, positive sense of um, esteem, you know? And, but, then, but, uh, but I'll tell you this, that's been a, a space for me to really engage our, our kids with, with financial literacy. To the question about, um, when did I realize financial literacy was missing? I realized that when I went into debt. When I went into debt, when I, when I, when I went into debt and I had to fight for bankruptcy when I was um, I think I was about 20, I was like 25, 26, I had to fight for bankruptcy. And uh, what happened? Very simple. I was over-leveraged, credit cards. Uh you know, back in the day when you when, you know, when if you didn't pay one cell cell phone bill, um cell phone bill, you can go from ATT <laughs> t I mean, we all did it. It's, co- it's, it's called slamming. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we did did all that and 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 but the funny thing, no one ever sat down with me and taught me like, no, 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 no. This is how as an adult you move to society. You know? And the thing too, my, my parents had bad credit. Again, they weren't educated in that. And um, I had a lot of friends of mine who were college graduates who had bad credit as well. And it was, it's funny because I remember what somebody asked me about. Somebody asked me about my credit score. And, I was, and I, for years, I just pretended like I knew what that was. So, you know, it wasn't until um, I was in my mid-30s then I realized, okay, here I am as assistant principal, I'm making a six figure, 6 figure salary, but I'm literally living paycheck to paycheck. I'm making over $100,000 a year, I'm living paycheck, paycheck to paycheck. What's going on here? And I started like studying financial literacy and started. Um, and, uh, I went to YouTube university, trying to figure out like, how do I fix my credit? And what I realized was that once I knew what I needed to do, I was like, why didn't anybody tell me this? Like, why didn't anybody explain to me, FICO? Why did anybody explain to me like this is what happens if you don't do these things the right way? And in my brain, I kept on asking myself, but this stuff is so is is so easy. You could teach a third grader, you could start in the third grade, teaching kids about money, how money works, how credit works, so that it becomes a habit while they're young. I didn't learn this in school. And I would say, I don't know anyone else who's an adult who was taught about credit in school. Neither I'm do I. Yeah, I'm 45 now. And if I didn't get it when I, if I didn't get it in school when I was when I was in the nineties and, and then I know people who in the eighties didn't get it. And the same thing is happening today. There's a problem with our educational system because we're teaching core content, math, science, social studies, um, English language arts. But we're not teaching life skills, like real life skills. And for me, real life skills is at the foundation: how to handle your money.
1: Okay, so In, indeed, so, yeah. I'll go ahead, David. No, well, I was—I was just going to say. I mean, my uh, my buddy, who's a principal, you know, he's talking. We're talking about the math curriculum, right? And say what you want about it. You know, his his take on it is is like you gotta you gotta take the math and you gotta apply it to real life situations. And what what better way to do it than than do it with like a financial literacy course? Like, you know, like it's just, it
0: just makes a lot of sense that way. So, so, so so here's the thing about it. Uche, you actually uh, have a podcast where you bring blockchain, anybody who'll listen, right? That's what you said to me. Anybody who'll listen, I want to talk about blockchain. I want to, I want, I'm fascinated by you, but I I, I know that we're going to go three hours if I don't stop you (laughs) because you're captivating young man. So, uh, talk talk to me about the uh, how we got to blockchain and how it's it's one thing to say, hey, this is this is how you get your FICO score up, and this is how you spend less than you make, right? That financial literacy, but we're taking it to a whole new level with blockchain, and I really want to get to that.
2: So um, that that one is easy. So my podcast um, is uh, so what you're talking about is it's actually not the podcast. The podcast was a space where I was at the beginning of the pandemic, I was using to kind of connect with other ed- educators and other schoolers to talk about our practice during this this time and space. What happened was this school year, this this, this school year that's closing right now is a full year during the pandemic. And, mm-hmm. and in my school, there was a shortage of, um, of just teaching time, teachers and the, the, the amount of time that we need teachers to cover and the students between in-person and remote didn't make any sense. So as it, and, and, so at the end of the day, what ended up happen, ha, happening was I had to teach some classes. My two assistant principals had to teach some classes to, to kind of have enough coverage for all the kids. And so I ended up teaching um, an elective last semester, which was film. Was like my major is in film, film and media studies. So I was teaching a film course. And during the film course, we were watching, I forget what movie we were watching, and a question came about money. And that question just kind of like, kind of like snowballed into a deeper conversation about economics and finance and things like that. And and the class was all seniors. And one of the seniors said to me, Mr. How come you guys are not teaching us about money? I'm about to go into the real world. My mom lost her job and people are talking about the economic downturn and I'm, I'm scared. Like I'm, and this kid was like, I'm scared to go to college because I'm afraid that I'm gonna to go to college and come out worse financially. And I sat there and I was like, this, this is interesting because I've been saying this to myself personally. How come we're not teaching this, teaching this in schools? And so that was last semester, and the course was only semester course. So I told the kids like, listen, if you guys are interested, I will switch one of my one of my sections um, for the spring semester to be financial literacy. If you're interested, let me know and I'll have you enrolled in that class. So I kind of like, listen, I had no curriculum. All I have is experience and what I know, the, the the little and a lot that I know from just from jacking up my stuff and fixing it back up. So, so I taught this stuff, financial literacy course this term and we're going over, you know, the basic stuff, you know, credits and, and budgeting. And of course, the one question that kept on coming up from the kids every single day, they missed mister, when we're we gonna talk about crypto. When we're we gonna talk about crypto. And I was like, you guys really wanna talk about crypto? i was like, okay, let's talk about crypto. So we just, we had these casual conversations. And um, as we we're talking about it, I was pushed in my own personal time to really solidify my understanding in terminologies and to be able to really explain to the kids and, and kind of dig deep. And from there, the class became almost entirely about crypto, entirely about crypto. And one of the questions the kids kept on asking and it kept on coming, up, coming up over and over again was, Mister, how come when I go online and I'm trying to find, understand more about crypto, I don't see anybody that looks like me. I don't see I don't see black people. I don't see brown people. I see white people. I see Asian people. I see Indian people, but I don't see us. How come we're not we're not engaged in crypto? And I said, no, there are some people out there, but they're like, yeah, but it's it's not like everybody else. You know? And and the kids would then tell me, my mom tells tells told me that Bitcoin's a scam. Yeah, my auntie, then the kids would be like, Yeah, my, and this is all virtual. The kids would be like in a chat, yeah. My uncle said the same thing, my brother said the same thing. And I was like, you know what? This is the real work. The real work is not just for national literacy in the traditional space, but the, this Bitcoin and, and blockchain doesn't really belong to me, or at least my generation. It really belongs to, to uh, these teenagers and these kids because by the time they reach adulthood, they will, literally, they will literally be walking into a world that I might not even recognize, controlled by, by, by in this digital space. So, as a result, I decided to like. I, I, I reached out to a couple of friends of mine. I decided to be like, okay, how do I get experts in the, in because re- re- of what their expertise is in, in crypt- the crypto economy, in blockchain technology, to come into a a space where I can present an audience of kids and their families and other educators to hear and learn about cryptocurrency. And um, last month, May, I did the first event. And I had um, um, a, a good buddy of mine who's really good with the, talking about the history of money. So he he did, he did a history of money from like the beginning all the way to to digital, to to um, Bitcoin. Then I had another gentleman come from Eureka Inc. And they they work around NFTs. And they came in and talk, and they talked to my students, their parents, other educators about what, what NFT is. And then I had this gentleman, um, BKid artist, who is a very famous um, um, painter who is now putting... Um, static, static, and um and um uh, animated, uh, uh, static and animated pieces that he's done into NFTs. And he he had so he had an event in in um in early in early May where he had five static, static images sell for like over one hundred fifty thousand dollars. So he came and talked to the kids about these new spaces. And I will tell you this: what was amazing is the kids they got it. They got it. The adults were like, "What is this?" You know but they were like i've never even, and no one has ever explained this to me in this capacity so i was like okay this is what i'm going to do i'm going to find a way every month to have another to have multiple spaces and once a month where i bring i i, I will try to bring people in in the crypto space to educate students from my from from my teach from my school community their parents and, and especially other educators What thing i learned is that um i I have to educate or at least help to educate as many principals and system principals and teachers about crypto. And because you, I mean, I'm surprised about how many of my colleagues are like, yeah, I know about it, but I don't know about it. So I don't even know where to start. And I had a principal friend of mine who was like, literally, I'm terrified of of, of Bitcoin and I will like, I literally, I want to buy it, but I don't even know where to start. So creating these spaces is very important to me because I feel like, especially with, even with the educators, if I can get them excited about it and get them um, to engage, then they're more likely to say, wait a minute, I need to make sure that my kids and my parents in my school community understand this as well.
0: Yeah, and about that, and this is what I tell everybody because I, I know more about blockchain than most people I know only because I've been in it since 2013. And that doesn't mean I know more than anybody else. I go to Bitblock Boom in Dallas and then I'm one of the dumbest guys in the room. But this is, this is what I've always said. When you first look at Bitcoin, you can't see it. But once you see it, you can't look away.
2: Yeah. So, so
0: keep looking. That's, that's the advice I get. But while we're here talking about no, don't know where to start, I want to reiterate, if you're looking for a job yeah, in the cryptocurrency space or in the blockchain space or the uh, NFT space, then we're blockchain recruiters. And so, Dave, Dave and Uche, we take this part of the show where we talk about some of the uh, positions that we're either recruiting on, some of the candidates we have. What do you got, Dave? I
1: got a blockchain data engineer.
0: I got. Uh, will, will he
1: travel? Uh, I got well,
0: a, I got a, I didn't know you had that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got something overseas. Okay. Well, we'll talk after the podcast. I mean, something the good fun.
1: news is a lot about a of these jobs. They're remote, right? I mean. Anyway. Yeah. No, I, this person's got to travel. He's got to travel.
0: Well, you got to work. Yeah, they gotta, you got to go to four different operations okay. all over the world.
1: All right. So. Uh, okay. What do you got?
0: That's it. You got that one. You got one candidate in a whole week. That's all you no, got. I got plenty. Okay. I mean, you know, okay. I got a whole okay. list here. What no, do you, no, want no. you want me to read it all? I mean, no, come on, I'm I don't want to, to, to steal your up. thunder. This is your show. No, no. There's no. Th- it is my show. Since you brought <laughs> yeah, that up, yeah. Go wait, ahead. Wait, we got to yeah. talk about your the, show. The, the go new. Ahead. The new. new don't new, want to steal your thunder. The new co-host is coming on. R- really, it's, it'll be anybody but you. That'll be good. Anyhow, no, I'm kidding. So look, I've got a software engineer, okay, and I've got a lead security engineer, crypto. And uh, I'm I'm actually kind of weak this way. Crypto it's security
1: hard. designer or or what, you engineer. Oh, engineer. Yeah, yeah, engineer. Is like engineer doesn't. I've
0: got a, I've got a block blockchain developer, and uh, I had somebody call me and said, "Yeah, we need a blockchain developer, but it's a volunteer role. It's like uh, that's okay. that's not how the world works. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. Uh, I need Pro- I, proof of stake, I, I, proof I, of no, work. What, I, what, what I are need, you talking about? I need a volunteer, twenty-four hour nurse and a volunteer maid you know what i'm saying it's (laughs) good luck with that good luck yeah so but anyhow that's that's what i got so yeah we've got a lot we've got a lot of positions open so yeah if you've got skills or you look if you want a job and you don't know how to get your next job, you call me or David, all right? And we'll help you. We'll, we'll give you whatever advice we can, interviewing tips, interview uh, resume tips, whatever it is. If you want a, a job in the blockchain space, you call us and we'll figure out how to transfer a lot of those skills because it's so new and you'll be amazed. And if you, you're hiring, you've got a blockchain project or you actually have something in the blockchain space or anything, you call us because what we do is we're constantly aggregating professionals in our database all over the world. So anyhow, uh, Uche, I want to, I want to talk to you about before we close up, what did, um, where did you actually go to get your, your crypto or your blockchain knowledge? Are there any books? Are, are, are there any seminars? Do you have any mentors?
2: So, um, at first it was just YouTube watching a lot of YouTube videos. And of course the, the, the first, the first, uh, space that I used to purchase was, um, Coinbase. Um, and not understanding uh, the other spaces, but it's funny because in my mind, I just I I literally just thought it was just only Coinbase. Mm-hmm. Then um, and then um, I have a friend of mine who, casually speaking, was like, "Hey, like he was super into trading in crypto." So I was like, "Hey, tell me more." And so from there, he started pointing me different directions and different um, um, Telegram groups and things of that nature. Um, but I think now what has happened is I kind of have my my sources of information. I'm a big fan of, um, I think I shared this with the gentleman of crypto. Um, and, um, and one of the hosts, Isaiah Jackson wrote a book about, um, it's called um, Bitcoin and black America. Which yeah. I, think is yeah, I try, And we talked about this. I tried to
0: get a hold of Isaiah Jackson, but I guess he's a bigger name than I am. And so he hasn't returned my call. And also there's Lamar Wilson, right? Who's fascinating. If you, if you listen to him with Peter McCormick's, what Bitcoin did, he's part of the black Bitcoin billionaire club. And you want to talk about, lifting specifically the black community out of poverty. He's wonderful. And he's also too important to call me back too. But it's okay. My day will come. (laughs) All right? I'm going to wait list him someday. No, I I don't even mean it like that. But anyhow, yeah. I I just I wanted to make sure I got that in. And also, I just want to say this. You've heard this. Have you heard the mantra that, well, there's not going to be massive adoption until we get institutions, institutional investment into Bitcoin? Have you heard that said? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, I 100 percent disagree with that. Yeah. Institutional investment is coming. It's already here because greed is their creed. Right. So they're buying Bitcoin and they're not telling us about it. But I personally have always believed and it's ringing true that poverty is a thing that's going to push adoption. And what I'm talking about is, you know, the country of Iran, the country of Venezuela, the country of uh, um Lebanon, El, where El Salvador. Well, I'm gonna to get to El Salvador in a second, but the, the thing that's so important about it is okay, so El Salvador just recently last month they actually made the, uh, the edict that hey, Bitcoin is legal tender in this country. And it's not so much yay, El Salvador, but you know, 20 the reason they did it is 22% of their GDP is from remittances from the United States and Canada, right? So this, this is Bitcoin is gonna to do to Western Union what Uber did to taxis. All right. And and there there are a lot of governments that don't like it. But all of a sudden, you've got whatever population of the the Latin community, right, that's working in marginalized positions because most of them are. Right. And now they're going to their bosses saying, hey, can you pay me in Bitcoin? And it's like. What's Bitcoin? See, so basically the expansion of the financial network, that's, that's where the idea is so huge. Not to mention the fact that for three Bitcoin, I can get permanent residency in El Salvador. So if somebody decides they want to tax my Bitcoin, make my Bitcoin illegal, all I need to do is tattoo my backup phrase on my body and just clear TSA and get on a plane, baby. You watch uh- I mean, I'm so, so, mean I'm i sorry. It's like I was expecting Nigeria to do it. If Nigeria did it, it all next thing you know, the best hospitals, yeah. the best scientists are in Lagos. I mean, <laughs> you know, because
2: no, but, but I'll tell you this: the thing with Nigeria is this. People people fail to realize that Nigeria is the, is the most populous nation in Africa. It's, it's literally the African giant. So, and and it's a tale of two, of, of two worlds in Nigeria. You have the immensely wealthy, like insane amount of money in Nigeria. But then you have this expanse of people who are not even a middle I don't think yeah I, no middle class, no middle, middle class right you're either you're up or you're, you're lower um and the thing about but the thing what's interesting is that um just the population and and just because of um internet it's going I mean it's happening it's it, it and it's just a matter of time before the government says, okay, we can't stop this and we have to make a decision but um the one thing but one thing I want to say real quick um is what about um you talked about like mass adoption through the institution institution but one thing i think is that that is going to be very powerful as far as educating you know communities here in america especially like for example the black community the if if black america had its own gdp it would be 1.1.3 trillion dollars just black just black america black america by itself which would make it one of the top, I, think, I believe top 12 nations in the world. Huh. Think about that. Yeah, that's big. Economically in America, the black, uh, I mean, I think the indigenous populations, the, the native Americans are lower uh, as far as it can, it can, uh, economic, uh, economics speak uh, speaking wise. But however, they're even deal with a lot of casinos, things like that, like that. But black America is typically lowest performing economically but still in this lower lower performing is still above the rest of the world economically speaking so the question is okay now how do you how are you worth 1.1.3 $1. trillion dollars and still below the poverty line yeah leakage lack, lack of yeah. consolidation yes and right. and in education because one of, the thing, right. one of the ideas that came to my mind was this there are so many churches in black america Every Sunday, all the tithing and all the money goes in there. And I was thinking to myself, can you imagine if these churches had just bought one Bitcoin? Well, we need need them to buy one Bitcoin now. But but still, if they had bought one Bitcoin five years ago, each church, that investment would have been better than any investment that they made. So even right now, if each each church says, okay, listen, I'm just going to buy $20,000 worth of Bitcoin and just hold it for the next year or two. Like that level of growth, all yeah. you need is one one institution within these communities, whether it's the whether it's the Black community, Latino community, to do something like that, and show that this is legitimate. Because I believe that every family, as some capacity, should have at least some amount of money in Bitcoin, just you know, in in their uh, in their hard wallet under yeah. the bed.
0: Yeah, I want I want to talk about this real quick. So those of you who don't know, uh, how do I get Bitcoin? And I'm not endorsing anybody, but I'm going to say to you, this is what I tell everybody who's new. Go to Coinbase. And the reason I say go to Coinbase, it's easy to attach your bank account to them. On top of that, they're American. They're they're ruled by the the mighty power of the US government, the Justice Department. They're publicly traded, so there's not going to be any magical money going away with Coinbase, okay? Once you get, get Coinbase set up, you need to get an automatic uh, extraction from the, your bank account to Coinbase, and you need to start getting that. In in separate episode, episodes, we're gonna talk about self-custody. I've talked about, that. that's a whole different issue, and so when Uchi says you gotta put it on your bed, right? Because keeping it on the exchange is the same thing as keeping your money on the bank, right? You need to have cash in your house, out of the banking system. You have to have gold and precious metals. In your possession, out of the banking system, you got to have Bitcoin that you can actually possess, okay? Because this is the people's money, and it's bringing power back to that. So before we before we stop, Uchi, I want you to get out of that chair, and I want you to bring your most pay- favorite pair of shoes, and I want you to show us. And, we, and we'll we'll let you pick two if you're stuck. But go now. We want to see the shoes. Can you see? Oh, it? Yeah, Travis. Can, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Look at those kicks, man! Okay, put them on. Oh, you can't hear me. Look All at right. those. Look at those kicks, man! Okay. So, first
2: off, I wear—I do wear my sneakers, but put it up so we can see it. We can't see so this it. Right You're probably
1: one of the few sneakers who does wear sneakers.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so, this is the reverse uh, reverse sh- uh, shadow boards. Yeah. No, and uh, Jordan ones. Okay. And what's interesting about these retail? Um, 175 dollars right however um right now brand new uh, over a thousand dollars and this pair right now worn is about 800 dollars. Well, let's see the other one and this here is one of my favorites and these are um these are uh sbs so they're uh nike sbs uh, sb stick skateboard and these are called walk the dogs and what's interesting i don't know if you can tell you have like a little hair it's, it's 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 uh cowskin but they dyed it so it looks like a this looks like a like a uh a chocolate a chocolate lab uh-huh. you have, golden, you have a, uh, a golden retriever here hey, hey for those uh, of you
0: who are watching or listening to this on apple or spotify and not youtube i'm sorry i'm gonna put this up on my uh my instagram and you're gonna you're gonna be able to see this because it's just too good to be missed so uchi I'm sorry I cut you off thank you so much I got one question for you so we're, we're the summer of 2021 a year from now what's the price of
2: bitcoin going to be um it's funny because I'll I, I, I would say this honestly I don't know I don't care okay,
0: okay. and I'll tell you why I, I know because why right but go regardless ahead regardless
2: of what it is you have to have it that's you know? right but I do know I do know that um it's going to become more and more scarce and once once the next halving happens it's going to be insane so this is, I think, I mean, it's funny but I was listening to um, what's his name? Um, I was missing his name. T- uh, uh the guy who used to put out the um, the um, p- um Palm Beach report. Oh, T- Tiki Tika
0: uh, yes. Takwari, or War? Yeah, Tika, right? But anyhow, yeah. yeah. I
2: was listening to uh, I was to a, uh, a YouTube he did recently. I, I think like two days ago, and he said, which is funny, he said Bitcoin right now is super cheap. Yeah, it sure and is. It, requ- it requires a mindset, but somebody's going to say, wait a but it's, 40, it's like $30,000, $40,000. That's not cheap. But if you think about it in the grand scheme of things, you know, it's, it's going to be somewhere. But my thing is this, I'm buying, I'm not selling.
0: Yeah, and so for those of you who, just so you don't get scammed, okay, I'm going to put a link down to Coinbase, okay? I'm not affiliated with them. I just want you guys to know, I don't want you to Google something the wrong way and go to some, you know, obscure, non-American, rip-me-off exchange, and uh, I won't say Binance out loud. So, <laughs> any, anyhow, uh, so Uchi, is there anything you want to say to the audience before we go?
2: Um, just get educated, you know. And and I am not an expert by any means, but one of the things that, that I've learned over the past, um, at least over the over the pandemic, is that um, this the pandemic hit, and a lot of people lost everything, and yeah. we're, not, so we're not we're not talking about it. And I just wonder. If people were better financially educated and had access to knowledge, you know, about things like crypto and things of that nature, if it, it could have made a difference. So, um, so that's what I'm doing for at least for my for my students and for members of my school communities. Is trying to give them access to education because, um, at some point in time, you 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 have to have control of your own destiny, your own future. And if like I can say this one last thing, we live in a world right now. Where everybody's talking about equity and racial equity and and you know, creating a space where social. You know,
0: Go, go ahead. I want your social yeah. backup. Sorry. Go ahead.
2: So um, people are talking about racial equity and all the things that's happened with George, since George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. And my thing has been this. I agree with that 100%, but there's something else that, that I believe needs to, to be addressed. When Dr. King was assassinated, the last mission that he was starting to embark on was the poor people's movement. He was saying now is not no. it's no longer about... It's not only just about war and racial justice. It's also about economic access. Yeah. You no. Know? And then he got assassinated. Because once we start talking about economic access, that, that's a, economic access prevents wars. <laughs> economic yeah. access right? You know, it creates racial equality because then, then now we're all equal, equal footing. So I think it's very important. No, no, that no, we, no. Uh, no. We, this is important.
0: Bitcoin actually gives equality and hope, right, with sound money. And U.S. fiat, this dirty fiat right here, all right, here. I know it's not Nigeria, but it's the Zimbabwe $100 trillion bill. Yeah, I was just not as bad. <laughs> <laughs> not yet, right? But anyhow, the thing about it is this pays for the industrial war machine and bombs off the sweat of, and, you know, out the back of poverty. But what I wanted to say to everybody is. Uh, yeah, financial literacy and it's fair to... So uh, for those of you who are on Spotify and Apple, okay, if you want to know more about uh, Uchi, he's fascinating. He, he moderates some other podcasts that I've had the pleasure of hearing that are a little off topic of, of cryptocurrency. But the whole purpose of Bitcoin is a financial network, and we in this podcast, you know, we're a human-to-human idea of consciousness network. You are listening to this channel because you want to raise your consciousness, right? Like Albert Einstein said, the level of thinking that got us from where we are from where we were to where we are is not going to get us from where we are to where we need to be, right? And we need to be out of the fiat space from where we come to the blockchain space, right? So if you want to uh, know more about Uche, Njoku, okay, on, he's on YouTube, okay? And I'm going to say this for him; I'm going to say it slowly. It's The Njoku, spelled N-J-O-K-U, The Njoku School 2.0, right? And if you want to get him at Twitter, he's the sneaker, but it's not spelled sneaker. It's S-N-K-R Principal, All right? Uchi, on behalf of my partner, David, and myself, you've been an absolute delight. Thank you so much for investing the time with us with a totally different take. My... What do you got to say? I mean, kind of... Uh, uh,
1: to, to that end, you know, to, to, what, to what Uche said, you know, remember, uh, it's not only knowledge is power, it's applied. Yeah, knowledge, knowledge
0: is not power. Knowledge applied, applied is Applied
1: knowledge yeah. is power. It's what you do with it. If you want to, you, you know, be better than you are, you got to be the change you, that you want to be. That's
0: right. If you're sitting in your closet with a treasure map, you're not going to find any treasure until you go out looking. So anyway, Uche, thank you so much. To my man, Travis, my engineer, thank you. My partner, Robo Recruiter. Dave Hampton, and I'm David James, the job whisperer. And remember, everybody, get whispered.